0: <clears throat> oh, come on. Good morning, everybody. Come did everybody morning. have a good Christmas? Well, good, good. I hope you celebrated our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and made Him the center of everything you did. Amen. Hey, let's all stand this morning. We're going to begin to worship this morning. Put your hands together if you got rhythm. If you don't, just pretend like it, all right? And uh, we're going to ask the Lord to build His kingdom here. He didn't come... For us to wait on a heavenly kingdom, he came that we might begin to live in his kingdom right here, right now. Amen. So this one's called Build Your Kingdom Here. All right, here we go. Come set
1: your rule and reign
0: business stuff so y'all got to y'all got to sing louder and uh, be, be bigger all right here we go so we're gonna sing uh, a great old hymn at Calvary amen <laughs> Tell them how good they look this morning. Tell them a late Merry Christmas Sorry, I'm late on that. And uh, just greet one another in the Lord if you would. And then we're going to continue to worship in just a moment. find your place and uh, be seated if you would. We've got just a few announcements and um, we'll go over those. All right. Landmarkers love to talk, don't they? Amen. That's all right. That's a good thing. Amen. I'm so glad to see you. You can be seated and we've got just a few announcements. Uh, First of all, if anybody's visiting, now this is a highly unusual week that somebody would visit. Again, uh, this is usually when it's just the cream of the crop and the home folk. Y'all are the cream of the crop, by the way, amen? Y'all have the cream that has risen to the top because you made it the day after Christmas, amen? (laughs) So you're my Marines, you're my tried, hard, and true, amen? (laughs) Amen, brother. (laughs) All right. Hey, listen, uh, if you are a visitor, and and I didn't see any, but I may just be missing somebody. Anybody visiting for the first time? Oh. There no we have one, amen. Brother Nelson, uh, if you would, uh, get a card there. Fill that out if you would. Put it in the offering basket at the end, amen. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, let me give you just a few announcements. Uh, don't forget uh, that Wednesdays we normally have a full slate, but this Wednesday uh, we've, uh, we usually don't do the last two Wednesdays in the, the year to give you time to be with your families for Christmas and for New Year's. So we will not have any uh, Wednesday morning or Wednesday night activities Uh, this coming Wednesday, but then we're going to kick off once the New Year's here, and we're going to hit 2022 on the ground running for Jesus. Amen? Y'all ready? Amen. All right. So uh, enjoy the New Year. Celebrate the New Year. Don't celebrate too much. Amen. Uh, But we will have the altar open after New Year's if you need it. All right. Amen. But uh, we're gonna we're looking for 2022 to be full of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And so uh, after the new year, get back in the habit of uh, Wednesday morning Bible study uh, at a 10 to 10 a.m. and then Wednesday nights we do a dinner at six and we do uh, everything for all ages at uh, 7 p.m. So uh, jump back in on the, after the new year. Hey, I do have one more need. I know Christmas has passed, and we we helped uh, several families for Christmas. But guess what? People's needs don't stop just because Christmas is over, amen? And so I talked to, uh, uh, I usually when you're not here, if you if you missed, you know, you usually get a text from me. Brother I go, Brother Mark is watching you, amen? <laughs> I'm watching you see who's naughty and nice. Uh, but I'll usually send you a, a text just saying, hey, I missed you. And uh, one family that hadn't been here for a while, they'd come, and he'd gotten saved, and uh, they jumped in and joined the church. And I just said, hey, I've been missing you guys. And they said, well, Brother Mark, our our car is not running anymore and so we're we're even having to stay with family just so we can get to work and uh so i said well you know what we, we we'll we try to help you with that amen so i have a family that's in need in help with a car they uh they are getting some money but it's not till like the 7th or 8th of january uh they can uh, pay on a car but they need uh, they need one of those What do I call them? I call them a beater car, amen, or a hoopty car, amen. It don't have to look like nothing. It don't, but if it runs, it's good, amen. Uh, Because the main purpose of the car is to get them to work and to church. They said, Brother Mark, we miss being at church. We want to be at church, but we just don't have any transportation. So uh, I have a family that's in need of help with a car. If anybody has just an old beater car, uh, they can make payments on it. It's just going to be a few days where they can actually get some money together. Uh, But I want them to be able to be here because he's newly saved. They need to be here, amen, and they need to be able to get to work and to be able to provide for their family. So if you have a car or if you know somebody that might be able to help, see me after the service, okay, because that's what the Lord Jesus has called us to do, amen. Just keep on helping. Hey, we're going to continue to worship, if you would. Uh, So if you would, stand with us one more time. And, uh, man, we're going to talk about making the Lord the king of our heart. You know, I know uh, probably most of you in here, uh, that uh, jesus is your savior but the question then becomes is jesus your lord does he have control have you given him the keys to the car are you letting him drive amen and so uh, that's what this song talks about the king of my heart let's sing it together Thank you, Lord. Jesus made a statement. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. Do you believe that this morning? There is not many roads. There is one road. Amen. That's the way the Bible laid it out. So we're going to sing about that he is the way, the truth. i hey.
2: we just thank you we were able to celebrate your birth yesterday. Father, that we honored you because your birth brought forth being the King and the Savior. Lord, I ask now that you would just be with the word that you want to share with us today, Father. As it's our last service together as a family in this year God just um, open our eyes open our hearts to receive your precious word and um, God we love you we thank you for your grace we thank you for your unconditional love for us So, Lord, I just pray that you would be with those Our church family that are not here today God, just bless them, heal them So that they can be back with us next week, Father So again, now, just be with us as we hear your word We all love you And everyone said,
0: Amen Amen Well, let's give the Lord one more clap offering this morning Because he is worthy of our praise, Amen Man, it is so good to be here with you the day after Christmas. And again, I want to thank you for being here. I know that this is uh, uh, when Christmas falls. Now, next year, uh, I believe Christmas will fall actually on Sunday. Amen. So, uh, yeah, and when it when it falls on the weekend, that always makes it a little tougher as far as church, how to uh, navigate all that. But, uh, man, I appreciate you being here. I know we still have many out of town. In fact, I think our family still has one more christmas to do amen that we're going to do this afternoon so like y'all uh you know extended family friends loved ones and so i know that many are out of town and still still doing some christmases around town Uh, but i do hope that uh you will attack 2022 uh with jesus in your heart amen Uh, we're going to take the shield of faith we're going to take that sword and we're going to attack 2022 with the lord jesus christ amen um I, i spoke last week Kind of a christmas sermon on uh, isaiah chapter one of the verses was isaiah chapter nine verse six and i wanted to piggyback off of that uh the day after christmas because of this verse and we're going to take three or four weeks and there are uh, again isaiah was prophesying about the lord jesus christ 700 years before jesus shows up it's pretty amazing and amen and if you read of all of isaiah The prophecies are pretty specific, and they get very specific, and you can see Jesus all through them. And you know that he is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, 700 years before he shows up. Again, that just blows my mind. Amen. Uh, But there is this verse in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and it gives God some names amen now how many of you know back in the biblical days names were extremely important amen and uh, they took a lot of uh, a lot of thought and all the names meant something now maybe you think your parents didn't take uh, so much time picking your names Uh, you know there's a lot of strange names out there that I would not want to get stuck with I'm not going to go through some of them because you might have some of them in your family Uh, but you know uh, it's funny how names change over time, doesn't it? Uh, my grandparents' names, uh, one of my grandmother's name was Leona. Uh, Leona. I think Julie had a fanny bell. Uh, she had a Joe boy. I don't know where Joe Boy comes from. I don't know if that was on his birth certificate or not, but that's what everybody called him Joe Boy, amen. And she had a fanny bell. Well, you yeah, had some really strange. what was that? Uh, her, her daddy's name was E.J. Didn't stand for nothing amen it was just eJ amen and so we, we names have evolved kind of over the years uh, and sometimes we don't lack our name you know sometimes we we want to change our name uh, our two sons were supposed to be Matthew and Joshua but of course and those are good solid biblical names and me and Julie just really you know just uh, you know just we just prayed about those names and we said let's give them biblical names. Matthew and Joshua and they say, I don't like being called Matthew. I want to be called Matt. Right. And Josh says, I don't want to be called Joshua. I want to be called Josh. Amen. And so, uh, you know, it, it never fails. You know, well, no matter what name you give, it's kind of that whole uh, thing of just whatever we don't have, that's what we want. Amen. If you have curly hair, you want straight hair. If you have straight hair, you want curly hair. Uh, you know, if you're too big, you want to be skinnier. If you're too skinny, you want to be bigger. And so we go through life just kind of knowing that's the way we do. But names meant a whole lot. And there are many names for God and for Jesus. Amen. But let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And again, you are welcome to take notes. Uh, You can take pictures of the screen if you need to, whatever you need to do, because I know a lot of times we have a lot of scripture and we cover a lot of ground and you don't have time to write it all down. Uh, But take notes if you would. Again, uh, why? Because we retain so much more when we write it down than when we just hear it, okay? And it's not because I've got anything good to say. I stand before you here today. As I say many times, there's nothing good in me. I have no original thoughts, but guess what? The Bible is good, amen, and the Spirit of God and the Word of God is good. So uh, write it down if you would. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says this, and you know, uh, most of you will know this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called, and over the next three or four weeks, we're going we're to go over all these names. Today, we're going to talk about his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. Amen. Then the next one is Mighty God. Now, this is the Son of God is being called Mighty God. Why? Because there's that whole Trinity thing. Amen. And even a lot of Christians are confused about the Trinity. How can, it be, how can it be three separate entities but one person? Well, it's very easy if you think about it. I'm Mark Trammell. Uh, I was Floyd Trammell's son. Uh, I am the father to Matt, Josh, and Faith. And uh, then I am the grandfather to, uh, to Maggie and to Anna Kate. And so I am one person, three different entities, all right? And it's no different. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But the Bible is very clear that it says Jesus was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, amen? And so, and Jesus didn't just show up uh, in that little manger. Jesus showed up in heaven long before that manger, amen? And so Isaiah is prophesying about that. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Can I get an amen? amen. Man, that's good stuff. So we're going to look at each of those names. But today we're going to concentrate on, um, on Wonderful Counselor. Now, why Wonderful Counselor? Uh, because, quite honestly, you and I, we need somebody to fix us. I don't know if anybody told you or not, but let me look you in the eye. You're broken. Let me look in my eye. I'm broken. We are all sinners saved by the grace of God, amen, and we all have a sin problem in our life, we all have a sickness, and so we're going to talk about that some more, let me give you the origin of Wonderful Counselor, though, it comes from two Hebrew words, all right, the first word is pele, and pele means uh, this, you can look, it's on the screen there, beyond understanding, too wonderful for words, and then the second word is yoez, Y-O-E-Z, yoez means to advise, to consult and to guide. So wonderful counselor, a counselor too wonderful for words beyond understanding, a counselor too great to even be able to express how wonderful he is. Amen. Now, why do you and I need a wonderful counselor? I thought all we needed was a savior. Here's the problem with many Christians. That's all they think there is. They think I'm I'm supposed to be up here and I'm just supposed to preach the cross and preach the gospel, and believe me, that is part of my job, and when there's lost people here, I can guarantee you, at the end of every service, I'm going to give every person an opportunity to respond to the gospel. Every sermon will be wrapped in the gospel, but guess what? There's something beyond when you get saved. There's something beyond getting saved. Then you have to live your life as a living testimony. The apostle Paul called it running the race. He called it a journey. He called it many things. And this is why the Apostle Paul, most of the New Testament, why, didn't, why weren't just the Gospels written about Jesus and just stop? Because guess what? Paul knew that he had to write these letters to the churches to instruct people in how to live as a Christian, how to be a living testimony. So part of my job, in fact, it's not even in the preacher, preacher's job description. Now, yes, I should be sharing the Gospel, should be winning the lost, But guess what? The Bible talks about the job description of the preacher being my job is to equip the the saints, all right? So my job on Sunday morning here is to give you the gospel out, but it's also to teach you how to live in the world but not be of the world. Amen? And so you need... Something beyond, it's wonderful that we have a Savior, but guess what? He doesn't stop at just being the Savior. He is your wonderful counselor. He is your mighty God, amen? He's your everlasting Father. He is your Prince of Peace. You need that because guess what? I can't just leave you right there. Here's what the problem is with many Christians. I got saved. I'm good. I got my ticket out of hell, and I'm just waiting on the train to show up. That is not the proper attitude. If that was the way it really is supposed to be, here's what would happen. The minute you ask Jesus into your heart, you go straight to heaven. Why does that not happen? Why, does, why is it not arranged that way? Why are you left here? Because guess what? There are others that are still lost. There are others in your family. There are other friends. There are people that you work with that still need Jesus. Amen. And so you have to be that living testimony. So my part of my job is to, yes, get you saved, but then the other part of my job is to equip you, amen, and to help you to grow, to mentor you. Otherwise, why did Jesus need 12? Jesus needed 12 because he knew the job was bigger than himself. And guess what? He went around telling people about the gospel. He went around telling people that he was the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except by me. But he knew it was important enough, he took these 12 in, and he began to pour his life into them. Amen? And he began to mentor them. And these were not a lot of educated guys. Most of them were just fishermen, average people. But Jesus poured his life into them, and he didn't just stop at salvation. He said, here's how you live in the world but not be of the world. Here's how you be a shining light in the darkness. Here's how you, so that's part of my job too, is to teach you. So on Sunday morning, guess what? Yes, I'm going to give the gospel, but guess what? On Sunday morning, I'm just going to assume, and it's probably true, that most everybody in the room is already saved. So... You need a little bit more than the gospel. You need to know, well, Brother Mark, I'm hurting, and this is is happening in my life. How do I deal with this? Brother Mark, I'm going through depression right now. How do I deal with that? Brother Mark, my family members are lost. How do I deal with that? So here's the thing. I need to understand. It would be like me taking you down to Galveston, getting you a nice big boat, putting you on the boat, and saying, all right, go that way. And somewhere out there, the Bahamas are out there. And start that boat and just go. Go, man, go. That's kind of like me telling you, hey, heaven's out there. Here you go. Brother Kelly, you need to ask the Lord Jesus in your heart and pray with me. Pray with me. Okay. All right, Brother Kelly, you're good to go. Just go to heaven. Go. Just get there. Amen. Uh, you don't just stop there. Amen. That's not the other part of my job is to tell Kelly, all right, you have Got your ticket to heaven now, but guess what? You probably still got many more years to live. You need to be an influence in many more people's lives. So, Brother Kelly, let me tell you how to live in the world but not be of the world. The Apostle Paul had to write most of the New Testament to the churches. What were the churches? Lost people? Mm -mm. Hard-headed, stinking sheep Christians. And most of the New Testament had to be written by Paul because he had to tell them, you're being stupid here. You're doing good at this, but you're not good at this. Here's what you need to do. What is, you remember what Bible stands for? Basic instructions before leaving earth. So the other part of my job is to teach you, how do you navigate this life? Yes, I'm going to give you this boat, Brother Kelly, and I want you to sail the Bahamas, and let me give you all this equipment that will help you find the Bahamas. I'm not just going to set you out in the boat and say, I sure hope you find them. They're out there somewhere in the Gulf. Go. We need to understand that is the part of my job. So here's why you need a wonderful counselor. Yes, he is your savior. But you and I need a wonderful counselor. Can I admit something to you today? Look at me. I'm sick. You're sick. We all have a sickness. We have a disease called sin. And I want to tell you today how to navigate that. When you come on Sunday, that's part of my job, what I want to tell you how to do. I'm I'm helping you with your sickness. Now, he is our wonderful counselor. I hope that to some of you, I can be a secondary counselor because there's a stigma. Can I say this about mental health? Has anybody in here besides me ever struggled with depression, anxiety? I'll fully admit to you. Struggling with it right now, you know, losing my mother. Listen, that's part of the grieving process. And I need a wonderful counselor. Amen. I need a wonderful counselor to come and wrap his arms around me. But guess what? I need you too. I don't just need a wonderful spiritual counselor. I need some people with flesh on their bones that I can share. The Bible says it. It's not just Mark's words. The Bible says to share your burdens with one another. So that you may pray for one another and lift one another up. We need counselors. Listen, I have been to a professional counselor, and I'm not ashamed to say it. And can I say this? Many of you need to go see a professional counselor. And I'm not sing- I'm not putting a stigma on you. I'm telling you we all need to pour ourselves out. The Bible is very clear. Confess your sins to the Lord. We all know that, and we're all pretty good at that because we know the Lord is a good counselor. He'll keep his mouth shut. He won't tell nobody. But he also says, confess your sins to who? One another. We're not good at that because I don't want somebody to think I'm crazy. I don't want you looking at the preacher thinking, my Lord, my preacher needs counseling. Amen? He's crazy. And I'm here admitting to you today in full disclosure, full transparency that, yes, I'm broken too. I have sin in my life too. I am a rotten, stinking sinner saved by the grace of God, just like you. And I need people to pour my heart out to. Sometimes it can be some of you. Sometimes I may need to go to a professional counselor, and I probably will go again because there are times in my life where you're going through something, and it takes you deeper and darker than where you normally are. That's where I'm at right now kind of with grief and those kind of things when you deal with those things. And I will probably go again. And just to have somebody to say, please, I need a... I need a non-biased party to hear me and to give me some advice. And I have a good Christian counselor. And my advice to you is find you a good Christian counselor. Because that part of the Bible we want to ignore. Confess your sins to one another. I'm, I'm real good at telling God because I know God ain't going to tell nobody. But I am not good at confessing my sins to one another. Amen. Because, again, we have this stigma. I can't let people know I need help. You're in bad trouble. You're the worst right there. If you say, I don't need any help, that's the worst situation. Amen? Amen. We need a counselor. Why does he need to be a wonderful counselor? Because you need a wonderful counselor. Amen? Go to him first and foremost. We're very good as Christians about saying, oh, he's the great physician, and he's our healer, and we're talking about physical healing. But there is this stigma when we start to talk about mental issues. But listen, you know what? The Bible says that you have to take your thoughts captive. So most of the battle is up here. So it just stands to reason you're going to need more help with your mental health than with your physical health because your mental health happens every single day, doesn't it? When you get up every morning, you decide what kind of person am I going to be? What kind of mood am I in? Is my joy only going to be uh, dictated by my circumstances or am I going to have the joy of the Lord no matter what my circumstances? That's taking every thought captive, and that's how you get up and you live in the world, but not of the world. All right? Let's go on. All right? Scripture, Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. You may say, I'm not sick. Yes, you are. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points. Did you catch that? Was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16. Let us, therefore, boy, and if you don't have this verse marked, you need to have it memorized. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We all need the wonderful counselor. Amen? And we all can come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? Because of who you are? No. Because of who he is. Amen? that we may obtain mercy and find the grace to help in time of need. Listen, I'm broken. You're broken. We have a sin problem and a brokenness. Jesus understands your pain. Jesus understands your hurt. He has experienced the pain of life just as you have. You know, many people want to say, well, why did Jesus have to come and suffer all that? That just seems cruel of God. Why did God make Jesus come and have to suffer and die the way he did? It was because he had to become all man, not just all God, but all man so that he could know your suffering and your pain. He went with the devil 40 days and 40 nights out in the desert, and the devil had his way and tempted him in every way possible. Jesus faced every single temptation and probably more than you or I could ever face. And so we know That he can sympathize with us because he has faced it. And guess what? Then maybe you're afraid of death. No, I can probably clearly say nobody in this room will have to face as cruel a death as your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did. It was, the Bible calls him a man of sorrows, acquainted with our grief, acquainted with our pain. That's so that you and I can know there's not anything that I can't bring before my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That he does not identify with. That's why he had to come in the flesh, God with us. Can I get an amen? amen. Emmanuel, God with us. And so we need to understand that. All right. Um, some of you, are, if you, right now, if you were honest, would say this I'm in a significant time of need. I'm, I'm trying to be, again, I think people are tired of preachers trying to pretend like they got it all together, they got all the answers. And you always hear me say, I'm never going to pretend that way. I'm flesh and blood just like you, and I struggle many times. I don't have all the answers, but I know the one who does. Many times I don't even know what the questions are. So I'm struggling just like you, trying to find my way. But I'm here to tell you in transparency that I'm in a significant time of need. Yeah. The good news is there's one who's here to help. He is your Pele Yoez your wonderful counselor. He is Jesus. You need him, I need him. You're broken, I'm broken. So let's see. How do we respond to Jesus, the wonderful counselor? Number one, uh, or not, not yet, the main thing I need you to see about Jesus, the wonderful counselor, is that he comes for the sick. Luke five thirty-one, thirty-two 32. It says, Jesus answered, and he said unto them, Those who are well have no need of a physician. But those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Do you remember when Jesus came and he was calling his 12? There was a guy named Matthew. Levi was what he was really known by. He was a tax collector. And tax collectors were mean, ugly, mean old cusses. Amen. And they robbed people and they cheated people and everybody hated the tax collectors. And because no good people would hang out with the tax collectors, you know who they hung out with? All the other bad people, prostitutes, thieves, murderers. So Jesus comes along and he calls this guy, Levi, later known as Matthew. And he says, guess what, Matthew, we're having a party at your house. And he <laughs> do what? Jesus, you're coming to my house? So he rushes home to get ready. And Matthew is excited because he has met the one who will change his life. And so Matthew says, I'm having a dinner party. I need to invite all my friends. Well, guess who his friends were? All dirty, rotten, stinking sinners, prostitutes, thieves, murderers, and other tax collectors. So Jesus shows up at his house, and it's full. And Jesus walks in, and the religious leaders are watching all this, and they go, oh, he claims to be the son of God. But look. Who would hang out with these terrible, terrible people? He's actually going to sit down and have dinner with them. And they were indignant. They couldn't believe that he would even take company with these sinners. But I'm here to tell you, in this story, you and I, we're the people in Matthew's house. And he has come for the sick. He's not come for the healthy. The healthy don't need a doctor. The sick need a doctor. And guess what? You and I were sick. We didn't even realize we were sick until one day we heard the good news of the gospel, and somebody said, Without Jesus, you're sick. Guess what? You're dying. You are dying. You are dying in your sins. Amen? And we, you, need Jesus. And it's like a light bulb went off that day, and I responded to it. Amen? And then life really began. And then I didn't know anything. I was probably like you. I got saved, I didn't know anything. And somebody had to come along, and they had to mentor me, and they had to equip me. Brother Milton Gardner, he's in heaven now, amen, but he was right over here at Friendly Baptist Church where I got saved. And Brother Milton Gardner and my youth pastor, they began to mentor me and pour into my life and show me how to be in the world but not of the world and try to bring some other people with me, amen. And I've been trying to do that ever since, amen. Amen. It's good to live your life for the Lord but guess what? We all need help doing that. Getting saved is easy. Jesus did all the work. Living your life after you get saved, that's the hard job, isn't it? Staying right with the Lord, that's the hard job. Amen. All right, where are you sick? So the question becomes this. Let me ask everybody, where's your sickness? Now, I can tell you this for everybody in the room, it's different. Some of you are struggling with addictions. That's your sickness. Some of you are thinking about other people's addictions, and you got self righteousness. Guess what? You're just as sick as the other one. Those of you who are not don't struggle with alcohol or drugs or pornography, you tend to get on your high horse and think, well, "I'm glad I don't have those problems." Guess what? You just crossed over. You told me what your addiction is: self righteousness. You're too high for your own good. You need to come down off your high horse. If I can speak in East Texas terms, Amen. So we need to understand. All right. So what do we do? What is your sickness? Sin is a sickness in all of our lives. Guess what else is a sickness? Depression. Anybody here who struggled with depression? You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm just going to name several off. Anxiety. Finances. Have you gotten yourself in financial trouble? Uh-oh. Brother Mark, you just got personal. Uh, listen, most of us are in problems because we have dug our own holes. It's easy to blame the Lord And it's easy to blame your circumstances. But quite honestly, if you've dug yourself in a hole, you have dug the hole yourself. Amen. And Jesus will meet you there. But you know how Jesus will usually meet you? He'll usually meet you with a rope and a shovel and say, here, I'm going to help you. But guess what? You got to dig yourself out of here. Amen. There's some responsibility we got to take. We want God to just drop it all in our lap, don't we? But guess what? It took you years to get there. It took you years to get in that addiction it's probably gonna take you more than a day to get out of it amen so understand that and then once you understand you're sick and you admit you're sick half the problems over you know when you go to celebrate recovery alcoholics anonymous narcotics anonymous and don't look at me like somebody hadn't been there amen amen what's the first thing they tell you the first thing you gotta do is admit you got a problem Amen. And until you admit you've got a problem and you're really willing, willing to work on it, ain't nothing anybody else can do. I've known people that have been gone to 17, 18, 19, 20 rehabs because other people set it up for them. And until they decide that I have a problem and I got to fix it, it doesn't matter. You just keep going over and over and over again. Amen. So you have to decide. It's not anybody else's sickness, it's your sickness. So that's the question what is your sickness? I'm going to give you three things of how to heal with the wonderful counselor, and then we'll go home, all right? Number one, be brutally honest with the counselor. Now, I'm going to add to this. Not only must you be brutally honest with the counselor, you've got to be brutally honest with yourself. First thing, like I just talked about, is you got to admit you've got a problem. And the problem a lot of times with most alcoholics, most drug addicts, I know a guy right now, been to several rehabs. He is what they call a functioning alcoholic wonderful, wonderful guy, the greatest guy you would ever want to meet. This is not about good people versus bad people, amen? This is not about, uh, you know, people being good and people being bad. You can be a very good person. You can even be a very moral person and be an alcoholic. You can be a very good person and be a drug addict. In fact, I would say that, that all of us have the good side and the dark side. And many times the good side shows. And with this guy, most of the time the good side is showing. But guess what? He thinks because he can function in life, he can go, after 5 o'clock, he goes home, and he locks himself in his house. And he told me, this is out of his mouth, that I sit there and I drink a whole 30-pack every single night. But as long as I'm locked in my house, and I'm not driving out, I'm not hurting anybody, and I can get up the next morning, I can go to work, and I can function. Therefore, he thinks in his mind, because I can do this and I can control it and I can function, I don't have a problem. You ever know anybody like that? Ever been anybody like that? Yeah. You think, I'm not hurting anybody. When you're destroying everybody around you, you don't even realize it. And usually we're the last one to see it, aren't we? We're the last one to see it. But everybody else around you can see it. But you keep denying it. Deny, what's the first rule? Deny, deny, deny. Amen? And you need to understand the first thing is you have to be honest with the counselor. Now, I'm going I'm to give you a little full disclosure transparency here. I already told you I have seen a professional counselor. I was going through some issues, and I went and saw a professional counselor. Very good. If you need him, I'll recommend his name to you. But I went in the first day, and he told me the key to this part is you got to be brutally honest with me. If you're not honest with me and you're not honest with yourself, he said, I can't help you. And he was a Christian counselor and he said, I can tell you what to do, but guess who's gonna have to do most of the work? You and Jesus. And he said, if you're not gonna be honest with me, then we might not as well even start. You must be brutally honest with the counselor. And that is not only your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but when you go to a counselor, when you're bearing one another's burdens. You have to be brutally honest. Now, on the other side, if you're the person somebody's going to, keep your mouth shut. If you have trouble keeping your mouth shut, stop them before they ever start. You don't need to tell me because you tell me it's like telling a telephone. Amen. And that's funny, but that's, I'm, I'm being honest. There are some people, and you need to choose who you confess your sins one to another to very carefully. But here's the other thing. Uh, you've got to be brutally honest. For him to be able to help me, I had to be brutally honest, okay? Um, scriptures. John 4, 16 17. There's a woman at the well. You remember the woman at the well? I don't know if you know this part about the story. I'm going to try to reveal something to you. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. That's a weird question. Jesus just out of the blue says, go call your husband and tell him to come here. He knew she didn't have a husband. Why did he say it? The woman answered and said, well, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you've well said I have no husband. Next verse. Oh, that oh, didn't have another verse. I'm sorry. And she, she goes on to tell him, and, and Jesus says, no, you've had f- five, and the guy you're with now is not your husband. You're living with him. You're shacking up with him. So Jesus already knew all the answers. Why did he ask her the question, why do you think? Jesus asked her the question, because he wanted to see if she would be brutally honest with him or if she would lie and cover it up. Can I tell you this? Your wonderful counselor already knows what you're dealing with. He knows what the answers are. There's no sense in trying to hide it from him. And guess what? If it works for him, when you go to another counselor or you go to bear one of its burdens and you go to confess to another person, just be an open book. Amen. Be an open book. Because Jesus knows all your secrets anyway. There are no secrets with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, and I believe this, Jesus leads this woman into salvation, and then what does she do? She goes and she tells the whole town, and literally her whole city, her whole town, ends up getting saved because of this woman. But I believe if Jesus has said, go get your husband and bring him back here, if she said, oh, oh, oh uh, okay, he's, he's back at the house, let me go get him, and she just brings the guy she lives with. If she lied I don't believe it would ever happen the way it happened. Are you going to be honest and get healed? Or are you just going to lie and just keep the cycle going over and over and over again? Because we're very good at lying to ourselves, aren't we? I am. Amen. All right. We all need to be transparent about our sickness before the Lord. Number two, listen to the counselor's voice. Listen to the counselor's voice. Uh, Two scripture on this. Mark 9, 7. It says, and a cloud came and overshadowed them. This is on the Mount of Transfiguration. And a voice came out of the cloud. You remember Jesus was transfigured, and he was literally glowing. And this happens. It says, a cloud came and it overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son. And then we always hear that part in this story, but look at what the next words are. Hear him, or in other words, listen to him. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased listen to him and again you can't just be and guess what it's all lined out in the Bible but the Bible is very clear you cannot just be hearers of the word what do you have to be a doer of the word All right. so a cloud came and so that's the Mount of Transfiguration next scripture is John 10 27 says my sheep hear my voice and I know them and what and they follow me Are you a sheep, are you going to hear the voice of the Lord, and are you going to follow it? Now, you may say, well, Brother Mark, i just got to be honest with you, I've never heard the voice of the Lord physically. Well, guess what, dummy, neither have I. I have not heard his audible voice. But the Lord speaks to you in many, many ways if you'll just open up your ears and your spirit and your heart. Well, Brother Mark, what are some of the ways? Let me give you several. Number one, his word. Jesus gave you and me the Bible, and it's there for a purpose. It is, it's not to sit on a, it's not to sit on your desk and get get dust. It's for you to go into every single day. Remember what I said at first: Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving Earth, and it should be your guidebook every single day. And if you want to know the character of God and the heart of God and what God thinks about certain things, all you got to do is dive into the Bible. Amen. Dive in, and He will speak to you. Number, another one is other godly people. Look at these people. Look at these fine people sitting around you. Aren't they good-looking? Look at all these fine, good-looking people, amen? Now, I will tell you, some of them watch their life, and you probably don't want to do what they're doing, amen? Uh, but I will say, some of them, amen, uh, and none of us are doing it right perfectly, but there are some people you can look at their life and say, you know what, I can I can take, a, take notes here. One of the greatest stories I know personally is, We had a little gal, a little short gal, and I'm not a tall guy, but I mean this gal was short. She was about here on me at New Beginnings Baptist Church in Longview. And she was a worshiper. I mean, she worshipped like nobody's business. And she'd be on the front row. She'd always get on the front row because she knew people would be looking at her. She knew she would draw attention, but she didn't want to worry about what anybody else thought. So she got herself up in front of everybody where she didn't care. And I mean, this gal, I'm not talking the little... The, I'm carrying something uh, praising, amen, or the, you know, the little baby hello. I'm talking full-out extension on your on knees, on her face. And she would just worship the Lord. She would take all kinds of postures and during worship, and I was the worship leader at the time. So I'm I'm like up there, and I mean, this gal is worshiping. I mean, that's like saying, stick to a bulldog, amen. So I just, whoo, come on, y'all. Amen, that would get me more fired up because this gal was worshiping. And one day this guy comes down, and he gets saved. And I said, well, what led you to come down here? He said, that little gal. I sat right behind her. And that little gal didn't care what anybody in this room thought about her. And I saw her, and I saw her on her face before God. And I said, I don't know what she's got, but I want some of it. Yeah, she didn't have to say a word. She did not have to say a word. Your family, your loved ones, they are watching you. And many times it's way more what you're doing than what you're saying. Because talk is cheap. But they are watching your life. Amen. Even in a worship service, somebody may be watching you. Amen. And this guy got saved. He couldn't get down the aisle fast enough because he said, I don't know what she has. I can't even put it into words. But I want what she's got. That's how many people were with Jesus. They would come into Jesus' presence and they would say, I don't know what he's got, but I, all I know is what he's got, I want some of it. When you are full of the Holy Spirit, people will look at your life and they will say, I don't know what they've got, but I want some of it. That's the kind of person I want to be. Amen? I want people to look at my life and say, I don't know what Mark's got, but I want, Mark's not perfect. Mark makes, makes mistakes. Mark is human just like me. But, man, the way he reacts to things, the way he acts... And the smile on his face, I want what he's got. That's what I want people to see. Amen. Now, number three, I already made reference to it. You can't just hear his voice. You have to do what the counselor tells you to do. Now, this is the last one, so it's the most important one. I want you to look at me. It doesn't matter what the counselor tells you, and I will tell you this as having counseled other people. I tell people sometimes, if you ask my opinion, now, again, I'm I'm very respectful. If you don't want my opinion, don't ask for it. And unless you ask for it, I probably won't give it to you. But many people come to me and they say, Brother Mark, what should I do? And I will tell you this, my experience, 95%. He said, boy, that's awful high. It is high. 95% will hear it but they'll either say right then or they'll just go away. They'll tell me they're going to do it and they'll go away. They will never do it because in their mind, that's too hard. I'd have to change. I'd have to change a whole lot in my life. And I'm like, yes, yes, you're getting it. Yes. Hello. You need a lot of change. Yes. You're understanding. Yes. You're an alcoholic who hangs out with all alcoholic friends and you're all in the bar all the time. Yes. You need to change some things. You're not going to stop being an alcoholic until you stop hanging around other alcoholics and you stop hanging around the place where other alcoholics hang out. As To quote Brother Mike, you're going to have to change. You play places, you play mates, and you play pretties. And most people don't want to do that. Again, they don't think they've got a problem. You have a problem. What is your problem? What is your sickness? Now, I'm going to tell you this story, and then we are going to be done. Oh, Scripture, I'm sorry. Mark 10 20 through 22. And this is the guy, this is the story you all know. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And this is the rich guy, remember? Then Jesus looking at him. Now, I want you to, I don't know if you've ever taken time in this story to see this part. Then Jesus looking at him, what does it say? Loved him. So Jesus looks at this guy who he knows is fixing to reject what he's going to say. And he looks upon him with love. He doesn't say, no, here's another sinner. And i won't tell them what to do, and they're going to ignore me and walk away. That's not how Jesus treats you. Jesus looked at him with eyes of love and compassion, knowing he was fixing to reject him and walk away. He saw him where he was in his state of hurt and need, and he loved him even though he knew he was going to reject him. One thing you lack, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. And what does it say happened? But he was sad at his, this word. And he went away sorrowful. For he had great possessions. He could not do it. You can't just hear what the counselor says. You must do what the counselor says. I'm going to give you a personal stories Because sometimes what God tells you to do will not make any earthly sense. But the test will be, he wants to know, will you follow him above all else? You see, when Julie and I, I'm going to tell this little story. When Julie and I were dating, uh, we were pretty serious. You could look at her and tell why I was serious. I don't know why she was serious. <laughs> but we were serious, and uh, we were around 20, 21 years old. And the Lord opened up an opportunity, and I had surrendered to the ministry. And I love singing. I, I could sing all day long. But and I know this is going to be a real shocker to you. But I was actually a very shy person. As a young man, I was very shy. And I, in high school, I didn't. They all couldn't believe we started dating our senior year in high school. And they wanted to know what was wrong with Julie, because you're uh, dating that guy that you know got, ain't got number one. He don't look that good. Number two, he like, ain't got no personality. Amen. I was real shy, uh, but I could sing. And so. I could get up in front of people and sing for some reason, but don't, don't you dare ask me to talk. Don't you dare ask me to share anything with people. Well, uh, God opened up an opportunity for me to go and travel around the country with a singing group. And uh, I was like, well, you know, Julie and I are very serious. And so I went and got some counsel and good counsel. I went to my pastor. I went to my youth pastor. I went to other people. And all of their advice was. Well, no, that doesn't even make any sense. I mean, you and Julie are serious, and you're in the middle of college. I was—I had two years down in college, but I still had two years to go. And so all of the godly advice I went to get was, don't do it. But yet in my spirit, I knew that God was telling me this was something I needed to do. It was a year commitment. It was a group that you signed up for a year, and then at the end of the year, you could either re-sign up for the next year or you could uh, go home. And so I signed on for a year. and main reason because I went to Julie and I said here's the situation and my wife uh not my wife at the time but my girlfriend at the time said I believe God's in this she thought of not herself but what God's will was and uh, I went and I'm telling you this was not how I planned it but about a month into the uh the tour the leader of the group got sick well he was the guy that did all the talking And gave the invitation and shared the gospel every night. And he gets ready to leave. He came down with cancer and he said, Mark, you're it. You're going to get up every night and you're going to do all the talking and you're going to share the gospel every night. And the Lord knew that was what I needed. I needed for him to be able to take me somewhere that I could not go on my own. And he put the words in my mouth and he gave me the experience and God used that. And guess what? I came back and I still got to marry the righteous fox. Amen, <laughs> amen. Uh, I stayed for a year, came back home, and listen. God used it. God did amazing things. But guess what? All of the count, all the earthly counsel—I saw it, and it was again, it was good, godly counsel. But sometimes God wants to see if you will forsake all else and listen just to His voice. Because I knew in my heart and in my spirit that God was telling me, "That's what you need to do, Mark. It's going to be hard. Uh, I was gone." from august until right before christmas got to home come home for christmas for two weeks and it was gone another four or five months so I was four or five months at a time that we wouldn't get to see each other but i we just both knew that if the lord was in it that the lord was going to provide and the lord was going to make it happen amen so guess what sometimes it's the test god wants to lead you right up to the edge of the cliff and he wants to see are you willing to jump he may never ask you to jump remember abraham and isaac he said sacrifice your son and abraham said if you're, you're God, whatever you say. And God never intended for him to sacrifice his own son. He provided the lamb. You remember that? But he wanted to see if Abraham was willing to go to the edge of the cliff and was willing to jump. That's in your life in my life. Julie, you come. Everybody, bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to give you some things here. What is God asking you to do to follow him above all this? He may be asking you to do something that seems crazy to everybody else. Maybe you need to break up with that long-time boyfriend girlfriend because you know they're not a good godly influence. Maybe God's calling you to go back to school so you can further your education to do something that you know he's calling you to do. Maybe you've gotten yourself into financial trouble and you know the Lord's telling you to go home and you need to sell some stuff and you need to get rid of some of the toys and maybe you even need to sell your house and downsize maybe God is telling you you need to be vulnerable you need to start confessing your sins to other people you need to start sharing with people what you're struggling with so that they can help you so you need to be real with people when we are willing to do what he tells us to do we are saying that we know better than him when you, when you tell God God I, I'm gonna do it my own way you know what you're saying to God literally God I got it figured out better than you got it figured out that's a slap in the face of God and and that is not true let me tell you this jesus loves you in your sickness he loves you and you, he loves you right where you're at whatever you're struggling with whatever you're really struggling with right now jesus loves you in your sickness and he wants to help you get better but you have to let him you have to be honest with him you're here this morning you say brother mark i'm not where i need to be spiritually I've either never never given my heart and life to the Lord and let him be the Lord of my life, or I did it one time, but I have wandered far away from the Lord. Either way, you can pray this prayer because he is always waiting with his arms wide open. Just pray this prayer with me in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and the sins of the whole world. And right now, the best way I know how, I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Heal me. Be my healer. Be my wonderful counselor. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You prayed that prayer. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. You prayed that prayer for the first time, second time, 100 times today. Would you just lift up a hand so I could pray for you today? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now listen. Don't just hear the voice of the Lord. Be a doer of the word. Do what the Lord has told tell- Whatever you have felt convicted about this morning that the Lord is telling you, Mark, or whatever, insert your name here, you need to do this to fix this. Don't run from it. Do it. Listen to the voice of the Lord and do what the voice of the Lord tells you. This altar is going to be open. I'm here. I would love to pray with you if you want me to pray with you. If you just need to come, pour your heart out to the Lord. We're going to sing a little bit. We're going to have an altar call, and then we're going to go home. Dear Jesus, have your will and your way in all of our lives here this morning. I pray that people would respond to what you're telling in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Julie's going to sing. If you want to come and pray, if you want me to pray for you, I would love to do that. Let's sing together. Oh, to
2: Jesus.
1: My blessed Savior oh, to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender.
0: All. I want to tell you this morning that if, if you raised your hand, there were about three in the room that raised their hand, and I want to encourage you. If you raised your hand, do whatever it is that the Lord is telling you to do today. No matter how crazy it seems, what changes need to be made, and even if you didn't raise your hand, maybe you just didn't have the the gumption to get that hand up, but I want to tell you today, do what the Lord is telling you to do. No matter how crazy it seems, we miss more opportunities with God because we're too scared or we're too prideful. And so I'm, I'm begging you, I'm imploring you, and I'm saying it with a heart of love and compassion, hopefully just like Jesus that nobody's judging you, we're all broken, we all need help. Do what you need to do to get help, amen. Listen, I hope you have a great rest of your day. Uh, Go have some more Christmases like I'm fixing to do, amen, if you need to. And uh, get ready to come back, uh, and let's get 2022 going for Jesus, amen. I love you guys, and uh, y'all have a great rest of your day. Don't forget, uh, Brother Nelson has the offering basket back there. Hey, pray for Miss Cindy uh, Bryan also. She called. She's got uh, acute bronchitis, and so that's the reason she's out today. So uh, pray for them. God bless you. You're dismissed.